welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with the Indicars.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue's cover takes a look at an iconic entrepreneur who rose at a terrifying speed in the financial world and was eventually arrested. His actions resulted in financial irregularities to the tune of around 5,700 crore rupees. He's battling at least six different court cases and it's been a year since Jignesh Shah, who was the creator of a series of stock exchanges. One of the superstar ones was MCX. He's behind bars and joining me to talk about the grim situation almost a year after it all happened is Praveen Palande, editor of Markets and Finance and the assistant editor Salil Panchal who are the authors of this story. Thanks for coming hi. back Praveen and hi, hi Salil for the first time. Hi, hi. Well, before we get into what happened, can one of you take a shot at understanding who Jignesha is and what are some of his exploits? Jignesh is a character that anybody who has worked or is aware about the stock markets is people know about him he came on the scene after he basically started a software company after breaking out of the bombay stock exchange and uh, he started providing a front end software called odin and which became very popular amongst bse brokers or for that matter even nse brokers that is how he came to fame is and then one fine day he decided that he just doesn't want to stop at creating software he should also create, start creating exchanges that's how he decided that since he knows so much about technology and since he had a background of working with the bsc exchange and it was just probably logical for him to get into creating his own stock exchanges and what happened then so he he has a series of companies just help us explain this he owns at least two companies one is national spot exchange limited and financial technologies india limited he started this company called ftil that is financial technologies india limited then he floated subsidiaries which were fully owned or uh, in some part owned by ftil these were stock exchanges so he started nscl which is actually a commodities exchange uh, he started mcx again a commodities exchange which is also listed in the stock market and then he went in and started the forex exchange and he even started an equity exchange so you know he was almost there in every aspect of trading assets i would say that's a good time to tell us about what your story is about salil if you could take a crack at this what did you intend because it's been a year since he has been behind bars yeah the story is trying to look at the man behind the scam trying to understand what did he do wrong or what went wrong and could he have done something to to rectify it was he in a position to do that what about the people who were working with him were they entirely to blame so the story looks at all those aspects let's start with something went wrong terribly wrong it was either a scandal fraud crisis whatever it is that you call it so where did it start i know it's a complex question because financial irregularities are hard to explain in layman's terms uh, see it's very difficult to put a particular date to all this but initially started with this idea that uh, national spot exchange that is jignesh uh, spot exchange where buyers and traders come and buy and sell commodities so these are small companies that come to basically sell their products and there will be a buyer on the other side and they kind of complete a transaction out there that's how a spot exchange actually works jignesh shine this team actually there are a team of extremely savvy financial guys who understand uh, trading at a different level they are taking special permission to basically start one day forward trading on the national spot exchange in a spot trade basically what happens is you buy and sell at the same point same moment but in a forward trade you are allowed to trade for a futures date provided you provide a margin to the exchange okay so they have started something called one day forwards 
and these one day forwards could be settled in 11 days now that 11 days position was getting rolled over into more than 11 days so it was getting into 35 days 25 days or whatever the fmc actually said that fmc here would be foreign markets commission basically the regulator of the commodity exchanges or commodity market so you need to understand that the spot exchanges are not regulated okay they come under the state government Okay, and state government got hajar things to do, so there was an oversight. So, in this case, this settlement of a one-day forward, from what we understand at Forbes India is that this one-day forward trade was supposed to be settled in 11 days, and the moment it goes beyond 11 days, it becomes a forward trade. And FMC suddenly woke up to it and said that, hello, what are you guys doing? We just told you to shut this thing at 11 days. How can you take it forward to 25 days, 31 days or whatever? Like, you know, you're actually creating one month futures, the way it works in the futures market. Now that is where the problem started. Okay, that is one problem. Now, the question is, how did FMC suddenly come out in the open and say that for so many years it has been running, why today? Like, you know, why are you doing this today? Now, that is something that I am, or we at Forbes India are not really clear about, but let me just put it this way. When we are looking at a port exchange, you need to have something called a warehousing facilities. So when, once the seller comes with his goods, they need to be deposited into a warehouse. These are physical goods are you talking about? Physical goods. These are goods that you need to put in the warehouse. The warehouse guys will look at the goods and say, okay, the seller has got goods. Okay, we are going to value this, say, at 100 rupees and we are going to give the seller a warehouse receipt of rupees 100. And these goods are of what kind? Sorry, Praveen, so these are metals it and... It could be maize, it could be cotton, it could be rice, it could be any commodity. Anything yeah, that your mom has in the kitchen, that is what these guys are trading. For example, you know this conflict from Mohan's. Now, Mohan was basically one of the guys who came in with the commodities. He was a seller out there. He will come and say like, okay, boss, I have this, this, this grains or whatever with me. Take this, give me a warehouse receipt. He can take the warehouse receipt, go to the spot exchange and sell the warehouse receipt. Now, there will be a lot of buyers on the other hand. One of the buyers says, okay, fine, I'm going to buy this warehouse receipt and I'm going to deposit into the warehouse again anywhere in India and just collect the goods that this guy has put into the warehouse. That is basically an electronic spot exchange. Now, there is another leg that was being created out there that was basically the forward trade where Mohan has someone like Mohan. Mohan is just an example. Sure. Boss. This guy will come after me. No, no, no. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, okay. So anybody who put in their goods out there, he has got the money. Now what that guy does is he was a seller in the market, in the spot exchange. Now he is going to take an opposite position to his own trade. So what he's going to do is now he's going to become a buyer in the future. So he has sold something for 100. He says, I will buy this after one month at say 105 rupees. The 5 rupees loss is actually the 5 rupee profit for the guy on the other end. Is basically now going to receive that 5 rupees basically for holding on to that commodity for one month. Where is the scam here? Now the thing is, hmm. what if one day the buyer wakes up in between and says, I want the money now or give me the commodity. Now when the buyer says, show me the commodity because I have been financing you. And if the procurer or the manufacturer says that there is no commodity, now if there is no commodity, 
that means this whole trade becomes bogus right so where is the commodity just to get this right did he sell it off or was there no commodity deposited in the warehouse in the first place reality is the guy who was putting the commodity he is supposed to put it in the warehouse right and then it needs to get valued now when i came to know after the story was done is that in india it is not necessary that all the time the commodity would be in the warehouse many time the commodity could be in the fields so that sounds ridiculous okay it's like so it goes like this that if you are the one who has got the warehouse receipt and you decide that i will go to the warehouse and check out if the commodity is there or not and you suddenly find that the commodity is not there and you ask the warehouse boss where is the commodity now the warehouse doesn't know how to deal with you so that is where the scam starts that there was no commodity from the initial seller's point of view there was commodity as such but the entire requirement was not there as in all the buyers come together and say forget all this give me the commodity will the exchange and its risk management company or the warehouse management company come together and provide all the commodity that the initial buyers are demanding the answer is no they were not able to do that so the ideal situation is that when you do strike a deal you need to have the stock in the warehouse and that didn't happen and probably at a huge scale sarheel pravin you've spoken to a bunch of people within the company outside of it who have worked with jignesha what do they say how did he get away with it was it that he was too fast or tremendous use of technology one of your competitors also say that he was way ahead of the game and it was frustrating how could he manage to do all of this he is always a very very enterprising kind of uh, entrepreneur he had a lot of cloud which helped him along the way he knew exactly what technology was required for the commodity market as they were growing he was instrumental in taking commodity markets online so he knew that was his strength the only thing that probably went wrong for him is what a lot of people tell us is that while mcx was growing and uh, he was trying to set up the other exchange the mcx sx which was which was a real baby of his stock exchange which wanted to take on bse and nse a lot of people tell us that somewhere along the way he probably lost focus on what was happening at nsel it's still very difficult to assess how much did he know could he have taken action at the right time a lot of it is speculative in those terms you know and here the biggest losers are the investors you know there's a very interesting aspect here you you go back to 1992 you know when the harshad mehta scam happened and then you look at the, the 1999 when chetan parik scam happened also you had the small investors the guy on the road the, the guy who's put in his hard earned money into stocks this scam is slightly different there were about 13000 investors who lost money the assessment is that only about 2500 or 3000 investors are actually small investors the rest are very well to do investors you know people who would have put in anywhere between 40 lakhs and above a lot of people that we spoke to said they had no sympathy for the investors because you had investors who a were of course well to do and wanted just to make more money you know this greed which was taking them forward investing in a product they probably didn't understand and we don't do any due diligence they go back and blame the brokers they said brokers sold us a product in such a way that it sounded very exciting you know that you could make money you could put in money and after 15 days you could 20% return where do you get a 20% return in in a fortnight and never in the history of scams in india has an exchange collapsed so this is probably the first one in those terms which made it important for us to take assessment of what went wrong and where do things go here for jignesh that kind of thing yeah. 
So last couple of questions. Where do things go ahead? Where do everybody stand? What about Jignesh himself? As far as FTIL goes, it probably will now focus only on its software products and not running of exchanges. They, of course, have been told by the regulator to sell their stake in MCX and they will sell it in uh, MCXSX. They will move out of running of exchanges, which would be important for FTIL's future. MCX, it's very much riding out of the crisis. It was affected only because it had a common promoter, Jignesha. There was never a scam at MCX. There was only a scam at NSEL. MCX continues to function as a fully regulated multi-commodity exchange. NSEL may not really survive in its current form. For Jignesh, the thing is that as and when he gets free, a lot of people who we were talking to, you know, friends or people who had worked with him, they're pretty clear that he will have to move out of regulated businesses. He will have to probably focus on FTIL and just selling software products or, or, or look at something else altogether which is different. This one little thing is there some confusion that they could not trace or track the money trail back to him. So is he still in the clear? How does that work? Currently, the economic offenses weighing of the Mumbai police is investigating the case along with a little bit of help from the FMC and, and the matters are in the court. The investigation so far reveals that none of the money has been traced back to him. That is Jignesh Shah personally. You know, nobody actually has a clear idea where the money has gone at this stage. How much did Jignesh know about this and how much could he have done to rectify it? That is, of course, where people can point a finger at him. This only shows how complex the whole thing is. In this context, and given that you could not interview the main guy, the last question to both of you is, how difficult or easy is it to write a story which goes on the cover because nobody seems to know what the truth is? So how, how did you guys get around that problem? That's where the challenge is. As I said, that you need to strike the balance between putting forward, okay, this is what went wrong. This is where things could have been rectified and what happens from here on. But it is challenging because all the information we got were from market participants, people who knew him very well for decades, who had started working with him, or people who worked with him at FTIL or MC or whatever. And of course, the regulators, we had long chats with both the EOW and FMC trying to understand the scam, then looking at investors and trying to piece together the other bit. You know that, yes, the scam is over. And typically, what Indian financial markets tend to learn from scams is that we tend to over-regulate afterwards. You know, so suddenly norms start getting introduced, which makes it very difficult for future exchanges to, to operate and things like that. So that is the challenging part. They're trying to, you know, balance everything and, and project things the way they were. As they happen. Praveen, would you like to add before signing off? No, I think, I think first thing we need to just be thankful to the uh-huh. overall reporting that the other journalists have done. It's been really phenomenal. Like if you read uh, the business papers, the kind of reporting that has happened by the press is really awesome. You know, that really helped us to kind of take this story forward. The secondary bit. Well, on that note, it's time to wrap up. Thank you very much, Praveen. Thanks a lot, sir. Thank you. Thanks, And before we log off, all you listeners, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com as well as on iTunes. So to have somebody call you from Forbes for a Forbes India subscription, just message Forbes to 51818.